Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. When the global supply chain is strained, one essential transportation network continues to keep the economy connected 24-7. That network is freight rail. We're increasing hiring and capacity, all while investing more than $20 billion per year into our network to improve reliability every day. We never stop working to better serve our customers because freight rail works. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And our conversation today, for some of you, it may be like, um, no, I don't need to know about grief. I already know what grief is. Um, and I know how to experience it and get over it. Um, but I think you're going to find out that that's not true. Because until you experience grief, whether it be grief over the loss of someone, or grief about a change in yourself, or even just losing something. Um, and until you experience it, it's just not the same. There are no words. And today, it's exciting to have on a friend from high school days. Um, and who would have thought uh, back then when I was living in the Twin Cities, and my guest Carol is from the Twin Cities, that we would find ourselves talking on Facebook one day and then finding more commonality. And then I invite her to come on and she tells me she's actually in the state of Ohio this weekend. It's like, really? Like when I lived in Minneapolis, I didn't think my friends even knew where Ohio was. But uh, today we are gonna be talking about grief and Carol, you started out your career as a dentist, correct? I was a um, administrator in okay. a very large dental practice, a dental practice where we are the team dentists or were because I am now retired for the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, wow. I know that. That's hockey. Uh, That's <laughs> hockey. <laughs> so your journey took you from the Twin Cities. Somehow you got to Chicago. You got into a dental practice, you retired, and now you're a grief counselor. So I'm a bereavement did... coach. Oh, bereavement yes. coach. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to have you explain what the difference is in a minute, but um, how do you get all the way to Chicago and Ohio in a just short period of time? I mean, you and I are still teenagers, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We look fabulous. We do. <laughs> well, I guess we feel fabulous. Yep, right. Exactly. Yes. Uh, how did I get to Chicago and then Ohio? I got to Chicago during the decline of uh, teachers. I was a teacher. I taught elementary school and the declining enrollment left me unsettled. So I 
became part of the airline. I was a flight attendant for about 13 years, which took me to Chicago, which was my domicile. Married, had kids, my kids grew up, my son went to school at Kenyon in Ohio and forgot to come home afterwards. Met his wife, became a doctor and has his family in Ohio. Well, being the woman I am, I want to be with my kids. So I'm in Chicago half the time and I'm in Ohio half the time. So I'm with my daughter in Chicago and I'm with my son and his family in Ohio. Very and I love nice. it. I love it. Well, in this great way, if we can do that, um, some of us are going to do it on Zoom uh, when our kids move away or we move away from our kids. Um, but it's always nice to have those connections. So you ended up in Chicago, you gave up teaching, uh, you got into administration. Um, and I know for a number of years on Facebook, you know, I saw pictures of you at different uh, events and um, from afar, you know, we all salivate over each other because, oh, look what she's doing, look what he's doing. Um, but during that period of time, you suffered a loss. I did, I met my husband in Chicago um, my heart throb, my heart throb. It was funny because we were fixed up, came to the house. I opened the door and my uh, daughter was standing there. It was right around Christmas Hanukkah time. And I looked down and he said, he was so glad that I looked down because he felt that boom, that Joseph Campbell moment. And he said, he knew that he was going to marry me. Wow. And we just went from there. It was unbelievable. I, I wasn't ready to meet him in the sense that uh, he came on very strong. And so I kept on pushing him back. But no, he was awesome. Incredibly, incredibly awesome. So um, how long and were unfortunately, we were together for about 35 years total. And unfortunately, he was uh, an avid tennis player, but he had a bad hip. So he went after a get. We knew that he eventually needed a hip replacement, went after it, lost his balance, and ended up hitting a structural beam that severed his spinal column. Oh. He lingered for 11 days, and literally, we took him off the life support. I was holding him in my arms as we took him off the life support, um, and I just can't even begin to explain the depth of pain, especially on that, on the day of the accident, when we always had coffee together in the morning before he went off, he was an attorney and I was the administrator at University Associates in Dentistry. So we would have coffee every morning, we'd have a conversation. And that was a, a double I love you, a double hug, a double kiss. And if somebody had said to me, this will be the last time you're really able to communicate with him, I would have said, you're crazy. We're at the apex of our relationship. It couldn't have been better. So it was a true blow. And my only regret is that we don't have more time together. We lost that. But I didn't um, have any regrets for things that weren't said or things that weren't done because we did have that special moment sure. together. But and no, I can't even describe the depth of pain. And what you're describing is not unusual in many, many relationships. Um, because we don't know when our time is, we don't know how it's going to end. Um, I remember when I was about, I think I was about eight or nine years old, my mother getting a call from my aunt and my aunt was this very 
um, even kill woman. And uh, I hear my mother trying to calm her down on the phone. And my aunt is telling my mother that her husband left for work and went to the gas station to fill up his car. And uh, that's when they used to fill your car for you. So that was yes. a long, long time ago. But he got out of the car for some reason, collapsed on the ground, had a heart attack. Um, by the time uh, the ambulance got there, he was already expired. Um, and again, my aunt had a very similar relationship. She was uh, a stay-at-home woman, um, got up every morning, made her husband breakfast, kissed him goodbye, uh, talked about what they were going to do that evening. But yet within minutes after he left the house, that was all gone. And none of us are prepared for that. Not at all. Never, never prepared for it. I, I explain it to my clients that you're in a state that you're frozen. You just, you don't even know how you make it from one moment to the next. Your body is so wounded so deeply. You don't even know what you're saying or what you're doing, but you do know that people will approach you and they'll say things that are trying to comfort you. They'll go, I know I've been there, I lost. And all I could do at that point was put my hand up and say, there are no words. There are no words. Everyone grieves in their own way, but the depth of pain that you feel from the loss of a spouse or a partner or a significant other is so deeply excruciating. It's different than the loss of a parent, which is extremely painful. And I had already lost both my parents and my in-laws and my grandparents, who I was extremely close to and felt that sense of being orphaned and felt the sense of almost abandonment. But when I lost my husband, I was not prepared for that type of pain. I didn't even know I was capable of that type of pain. And the only thing that I can think that even would be worse would be the loss of a child. And so what I did initially, because I didn't have a bereavement coach or a bereavement counselor, and I did look for groups and I couldn't find any groups to even join, which is interesting. We can talk about that a little later if you're interested. I sought out people that had lost their spouses and found that they were the ones that I took more comfort in, that I could cry freely with them. I could share my grief with them. They understood. They could help me just calm me down. They taught me how to breathe. They taught me that it's one breath at a time, one step at a time. My kids didn't leave me alone. They didn't leave my side. My son was in the middle of doing his rotation, residency rotation, and stayed with me for that period of time. My daughter-in-law came and stayed with me for a period of time. I stayed with my daughter for a period of time because again, I was so frozen, so frozen. Um, my work environment was incredible to me. They allowed me to work remotely at that time before people were working sure. remotely. And then when I eventually went back to work, I could close my office door and just cry. That became a safe haven. It became a place where I could escape and have something to focus on other than my grief 
And yet I could still grieve while I was there. But it is a long, slow process. There were many people that would say to me, well, let's go out to dinner or let's go do this or let's go do that. And I would go, I hope you're there when I'm ready because right now I'm not, I'm not. I was too deep in grief to even be able to reach out to friends. And I think that's a, a message that we have to hear as family and friends that it's not our timetable for you. It's oh, your no. timetable. Um, and it's something that um, is very difficult to understand unless you've lost someone that you're close to. Um, you had mentioned that you were by his side for 11 days. Some people would look at it and go, look at you were by his side. You know, you saw the process, you know, so it should be easier. No, it's not easier because those 11 days, you still haven't processed yet. You're going to go back and process them in the future as to what happened during those 11 days. Absolutely. Um, and there's so much going on during that period of time, even though I was planning his funeral during that period of time. Um, you Again, you're frozen. Your mind isn't functioning. And it used to be that the whole community was there for you. We're not in that type of environment anymore. So we don't have the church or the synagogue or the mosque and the clergymen and the priests and the rabbis to be there uh, supporting us round the clock. And then even when it's um, when the individual passes, that the whole community is there for you. We're not. And so it does become something that is so individualized. There is no time frame and there is no right or wrong. When somebody says, well, can't you just get over it? Just move on. Can't you just get? No, you don't. You don't just get over it. But you do need to figure out slowly, one step at a time, one breath at a time, who you are on this journey now with that individual in your heart, very much a part of you, but who you are now on your journey with them in your heart. So when you got that phone call initially, um, I understand total shock because he was supposed to come home. He's supposed to go play tennis and come home. Um, you said you were frozen in time, but obviously for those of us around you, we most likely saw you functioning, correct? Absolutely. You do see the individual functioning, but you and you don't wear the open wound. People would see it in my eyes and say, what happened? They could see it in my facial expressions. It was very clear that I was in agony. But as time goes on, your body defies you in the sense people don't know what's going on. And oftentimes I'll say to my clients, if we could just take a step back and look at people and be kinder to them, we don't know what's going on in their lives. There was a movie crash years ago that came out and it was about all these different scenarios on why individuals reacted the way that they did. And they took you back in time so you understood what was going on in their life that prompted them to act the way that they did. And that's the only way that I can describe this is that unless you can physically see that open wound, you don't know the depth of pain that they're going through. You don't know the motions that they're going through. And also that the individual that is grieving 
gets all the passes in the world because they will say and do things that are so out of character because of the hurt, because of the pain. Um, I know that I, when I was walking home from work many times and I walked over the, the river, the Chicago River to get home, I would look at the river and go, I only had the courage to jump. Even though I have children who I love and adore and mean the world to me, they have their whole lives in front of them. My life just slipped away and I was not able to jump, but I would have if I had the courage. And so um, I even take that in consideration is that it's not, you're not in your right frame of mind. Your body is functioning, but it's not functioning on all cylinders. And it's painful. It's painful. So I know when we were growing up, um, and I don't know if your mother ever used this uh, phrase with you, but it was always, don't hang out your dirty laundry for the neighbors to see. Right. <laughs> and so and many, I will argue against that 100%. Yeah. Well, and, and so do I. Um, and I had a friend last week who said to me, um, you know, Karen, I don't even have to call you anymore because I know what's going on in your life. You put it out for the world. And I said, but I do that for me because I don't want people to make certain assumptions that the reason I'm not picking up the phone and calling is because I don't like you anymore. But this is what I'm going through. Picking up the phone, just I'm not I'm not there this week. Or yeah, I've had to cancel some of my clients for a reason. I want people to understand I'm not giving up my business. I'm just I need to take a step back. And this is why. And that's why I started doing podcasting because there's so many people out there who want to know that it is okay for me to pivot. And yes. when I pivot, maybe I'm going to express to you why, but maybe not. And it's like you said, people could see something on your face. They weren't sure what it was, but, you know, they're not going to ask. And even if you told them, most of them were not going to listen. They were going to hear it, but they weren't going to listen to it because they wouldn't know how to respond anyways if they hadn't been through it. Very true in what you're saying, but I do encourage people to talk about it, um, especially when they're with friends and family and people that knew the individual. Because you can find that when you're talking, you start sharing wonderful memories and those become cherished treasures. It also allows the individual to go from this feeling of deep, deep, deep loss and depression to a little moment of joy and even some laughter. And the first time you laugh, you almost feel guilty laughing, but then you realize that it does feel good. It feels good. And you know that that individual wants you to be happy in life and wants you to be able to move forward. So how do you start slowly moving forward? you start remembering those wonderful moments that, are, that you cherish and share them. Or you write on the back of a photo where you were and how you felt. Or you start writing a journal and chronicle your progress. So yes, 
talking to people is very important, whether they understand or not, because if they knew that individual, they will too share stories with you. And those are really important. And, you know, the first time I think I remember grief is when my mother's mother passed away and we were sitting Shiva and um, interesting. I was nine years old at the time. In fact, she told me a couple of days before my birthday, she was going to see me and she was going to give me a silver dollar. And then she had her stroke and she died. Um, but I remember walking around my aunt's house and there were people crying and there were people laughing. And I saw my mother laughing and I went up to her and I said, how can you laugh? Your mama died. You should be crying. And she looked at me and she said, I don't even know what the story was, but she said, do you remember when? And she told me a story about me and my grandmother. And it was like, I started laughing. I was so happy. And that's when I realized that we're not going to laugh all the time. We're not going to cry all the time, but we've got to get a mixture of that. And yes. like you said, the memories are so important that uh, they can bring you to that wonderful place where you want to be when you feel like, you know, you're never going to get there. So exactly. And those stories will carry on and sustain you over and over and over again. They're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. What a sage mother to be able to share that with you. Absolutely. So what made you decide to make another career change? Um, <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, it, and, and dwell, and some people might say, now you're dwelling on grief, which I don't agree with. Okay. You're every client you are with helps you to move forward. And I do know that because the more we talk about it, more we experience it. It's, it gets, I'm not going to say easy, but it gets a little bit more comfortable. So when did you like wake up and say, ha ha, I know what I'm going to do next. Well, it wasn't an aha moment. <laughs> uh, I was still working and a very dear friend of mine asked me if I would talk to her sister who had just lost her spouse. Started talking, started sharing. We continued the conversation. Um, and then I was asked again to talk to somebody. So it became more that it was introduced to me, that people would reach out to me. And then when I decided that I was going to retire, what am I going to do in retirement? I'm used to going to work every single day. I'm 72 years old. What am I going to do? Um, I'm not, I can't sit home and I'm not with the grandchildren every day. And my, you know, I'm not with my daughter every day. What am I going to do? And I thought about it and I thought, you know what? I'm going to become a bereavement coach. And there are a number of different trainings that are more life health coaching uh, and I looked at those because I didn't want to be a therapist and I didn't want to be a psychologist or psychiatrist. I literally just want to be able to be there to help somebody walk through this, to help guide them through this pain. And so I went through two different academies. One of them is a six month um, coaching institute, which I really appreciated and then incorporated 
the grief bereavement into it. Okay. And have been doing that ever since. So I kind of made my own niche within it. And it has been, as you said, very rewarding for me. And it seems to be equally rewarding based on the reviews and the referrals that I'm getting from my clients. But no one is like the other. There is no cookie cutter. And so it's very interesting. And what you do is that there's no judgment. You just listen to them. And based on what they say, pull from that because I'm no longer frozen. So I can pull from that and make suggestions to them that they can use to move forward. And sometimes it's as simple as taking some, a piece of clothing and making it into a teddy bear. Or sometimes it's as simple as, again, writing in the journal or as easy as, um, I don't know off the top of my head, you know, now when I'm put on the spot, right? <laughs> but you literally listen to what they're saying. One of them was very angry at God. It was very interesting. He was extremely angry at God because his wife didn't get to hold their grandchild that was going to be born in a couple of months. And so we visited that and they, and they didn't feel that they were getting the response that they wanted from their religious community. And I asked him, are you really angry at God or are you angry at yourself? Because if you do believe in God, you know that your wife is there embracing many children, many babies, that need that. And that was his aha moment. That was his aha moment. And it's not something that I would have thought of on my own. It was only based on the conversations that we were having. Sure. And he was able to move forward with that and be at peace that his wife was able to give comfort to other children and other babies. And that he knew that she was in his heart when their grandson was born. So there are special moments like that. And it's just through the conversation and hearing, hearing what the individual has to say to help move them forward. And, you know, you, you mentioned in the beginning that the loss of a spouse is totally different than the loss of a parent, because we all know that at some point our parents are older than us. We are going to most likely lose them before they lose us. Um, and probably the same way with siblings, you look at your siblings, whatever age they are, and if they're older than you, at least at the back of your mind, you sort of assume that the oldest one is going to go before the youngest one doesn't always happen that way. Um, but we can convince ourselves that we are ready and prepared. Um, I know when my mom passed away. I was lucky enough to have two and a half months with her. I moved in with her um, and I needed it. Uh, I believe she needed it too, but I had people afterwards when she passed said to me, but you had the two and a half months, you know? And I said, but it was a totally different two and a half months. First of all, it was shocking that she got ill. Um, I had talked to her one day, she was fine. The next day she had a stroke. Um, and our whole life was topsy-turvy. And yes, those two and a half months were totally different. But I was grieving during those two and a half months. Mm -hmm. um, and it took one of her caregivers to point it out to me. 
I hope you know what you're going through right now because you need to experience this. Because every time I try to push it away, and I'm sure the 11 days you went through the same thing, that you were grieving, but it was a different grief than when- Totally different grief. And the worst thing that someone can do is try and shield it or deny it, um, or a man try to be macho and, well, I don't want to cry in front of my children. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want, no, they need to know. They are going to experience this at some point in life. Prepare them for it. It's not a bad thing. There can be beauty in the death. There can be absolute beauty. It's still a huge loss to you. Like you, I was fortunate to be with both my mother and father for the last two and a half weeks of their lives by their bedside. Prior to that, I would go in every month and every two weeks to be with them. And you're still not prepared for it. It's right. And it's still gut-wrenching. But don't be afraid to talk about it and talk about it with them. I don't know about you, but I was able to talk about it with my mother. Uh, and it was interesting. And there were times that she didn't want to talk, but other times she would share a lot of insight of what she was going through. I was curious. With my father, I took pictures of the progress. He had wanted to be a doctor. So he wanted me to take pictures of the progress, the process that he was going through uh, until his final moments. Um, but it doesn't lessen the pain. It gives you something to hold on to and wonderful memories to hold right. on to that you can share, but it also makes you realize that there is beauty in the death. They're at peace. We're the ones that are here. We're the ones that are in pain because of the loss, because of the love. And if you've read The Prophet, there's a wonderful saying in it, and I will just summarize it though. You know the depth of pain based on the depth of joy. So sorrow, your depth of sorrow is based on the depth of joy that you have experienced. So the more sorrow you feel, the more joy you have experienced. And that seems to carry forward. And there's some real truth to that. And that in itself eventually can become comforting. We're not going to understand it in those moments when we're frozen. Um, and understanding that, yes, we all have those frozen moments, whether we realize it or not. Um, with when my dad passed away, I did not realize it because um, we were so worried about what was going to happen with my mom. Could she stay in her apartment alone? Could she keep driving? Could, could, could. And so it was, okay, dad, I'll deal, I'll deal with you later. Um, and it wasn't until my mom passed away. 12 years later. And you're later, grieving both of them. Absolutely. Because, you know, it was all about my mom. Now, my mom was a strong person um, and very, very independent. Uh, but even so, for her sake, you know, I had just put it on hold. And when it all hit, I just thought, this is terrible. Why? And I, because that's when I realized I don't remember mourning for my dad. So I sought out a grief counselor. Because I thought, what a bad daughter you are. How could oh. you do that? And, the and first, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And it's for, and the, when I mentioned it, the counselor looked at me and said, your dad would understand. He was 
the love of your mother's life. Your mother was the love of his life. He would totally understand if his kids became his surrogate and do the things that they needed to do to show her that she was still was loved. And I looked at the grief counselor and I said, wow, I never thought of it that way. And she said, and if you want to cry, go ahead and cry. And Absolutely. If, and she said, and if anybody says to you, hey, that was 12 years ago. She said, I want you to look at them and say, no, because he's still with me. And he is. It's 11 years after my husband passed away. And on the 10th anniversary, it was probably the worst day of my life. Just walking home, um, had my headphones on, listening to music, which was always and always will be a great escape for me. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates just poured. I don't know if it was a 10-year milestone or just woe is me. I miss him. Um, and I'm in a relationship. So it's not as if, you know, I, I do have a life. I have a very wonderful life, but I still miss my husband. And I'm so thankful that my heart is big enough to let more people in, but it never leaves you. And um, the journey is a hard one. It's a roller coaster ride. It's up and down. You never know when that moment's going to hit you, but let it flow. Let it flow. And isn't it wonderful when somebody just gives you a hug? Oh, they don't yeah. necessarily have to say words or you can look at somebody and they understand what's going on. And again, they can just give you a hug or they can say, come on, want to go in the other room and just talk. And I um, that's the one thing that I would love for the community to learn is to take a step back and look at others. Stop being so solipsistic. We are all in this together. We all love the same. We all grieve on some level the same. Let's be there for one another and try and understand one another and hear one another and reach out. I love it. So how can our listeners, if, if they're experiencing something now or experienced it in the past and just never dealt with it, how can they reach out to you? Do you take clients virtually or... Are you only one-on-one? -on -one? How does it work? No, I do it virtually. They can definitely reach out. My name is Carol Calno, K-A-L-N-O-W. They can look it up. I do have a website and I can give you my number to call, 847-525-5811. 847-525-5811. And I welcome your call. Just to talk, I have many clients that have been with me for as little as four to six weeks and others that have been with me for months. It's all at their pace. It's their journey. And I just am thankful that they let me in to help them with coping skills. And they'll have a little toolbox that they can always go back and pull from as simple as um, breathing exercises to actually having challenges to help them through it. It's so um, when the two of us were at St. Louis Park High School in the 60s, what what did you think? You, <laughs> hey, we both admitted we're 72. Um, we admitted that. <laughs> yeah. What did you what did you see as your future? I know what I saw and it's nothing like it. 
nothing like what it was. I was going to go to college, get my teaching degree and my MRS, and then I was going to have children. You know, that's what we were going to do back then. Right. There were very few of us that were actually pursuing careers other than teaching and being mothers. Well, you're so right about that. Um, Cause when I went to college, that's why my parents sent me. Um, little did they know when I started taking classes that uh, I was working for my degree in communications. Which is and, awesome. And when I, when they found that out, they said enough's enough. Um, <laughs> you know, you're wasting our money. Uh, but when I went back and completed it on my own, um, and it was after my father passed, my mother said to me, why did we stop you? And I said, because back then you were right. Okay. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a path that it is today. Um, and I say that to all of our listeners that um, as Carol speaks about, you know, what she's been through and the grief that she's been through, um, it didn't stop you from living. It got you to a new place in life. Um, you know, some women would have said, you know what? I had the best love of my life. I'm going to put on blinders and my life is going to be my kids and grandkids. But you know, at 72, we're not old. We still have a life ahead of us. And finding a significant other is absolutely what life is about. I was only 62 when my husband passed away. So yes, there was a lot of life and there still is a lot of life left in me. And you do learn to live again and live it fully. Um, but more deeply, more deeply. And you well, do carry a lot of, um, you know what others are going to go through. So your empathy level is much higher as you well know from what you've experienced. Sure. Um, but kudos to you for following your bliss and your dream. And I think it's the unintended consequences of our generation, which became more mobile and became more um, out there and realize the value that we as individuals have that we give back to the community. Uh, so there are many, many good things about what has transpired in life and hopefully it will continue that we will be there for one another. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad we reconnected. Um, and I'm so glad that you come this close because I'm going to have to figure out on one of these times that you're in Ohio um, to get in my car and drive down to see you and meet your family. Um, but I want to I welcome it. Oh, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I keep in touch with so many and I keep saying, you know, if you ever get to Ohio and they'll say, well, if you ever get to Florida, if you ever get to Arizona and it's like, yeah, I don't see myself doing that. Uh, it's not that I, I don't like to know. travel, um, but we have tended to be, you know, more homebodies than anything else going to be empty nesters soon. You may be yep. taking that road trip. You never know. Well, you are absolutely right. Um, and again, that's another journey. And in, for some people, it's full of grief. Um, not that I won't be sad, but I also will be extremely happy and proud uh, to be it's an empty bittersweet. nester. As life is, it's very bittersweet. Have a wonderful day. We'll be in touch soon. And thank you for thank all you your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Be well. You too, hon. Bye-bye now.
In the heat of the moment, you keep it calm and cool with a $3 medium ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew. Now $3 along with all medium cold brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. This is your summer. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes. We can fly.